is the errors that get deep down in your code base that are the toughest to wash out. How? Use new fashion smashing with exclusive learning action. Bugs just float away with smashing. So help your family's code stay spotless with easy to use smashing. In this episode of the Smashing Podcast, we ask, how has the design industry changed? Is technology making our work easier? Fiddly talks to veteran designer Virla Peters to find out. But first, did you know that Smashing Magazine publishes brand new articles to the website throughout your working week? There's a lot to keep up with, but we're here to help. It's your weekly update. In Easy SVG Customization and Animation, A Practical Guide, Adrian Becky observes that designers often feel discouraged from editing SVG markup and experimenting with SVG animations, thinking it's a significant time investment, or they need to use a complex animation library to do so. In this article, Adrian showcases his favourite tricks for working with SVG, which make the process streamlined and fun. Paul Boak takes a look at how B2B sales help us understand our role as UX designers better. Throughout her customer journey, particularly in B2B, there'll be interactions that are primarily between two people rather than a human and an interface. In this article, Paul explains why you cannot improve the user experience without considering the entirety of the UX journey. In Understanding App Directory Architecture in Next.js, Attila Fasina highlights the new app directory architecture that's been the main character of the recent Next.js release, but it keeps bringing up many questions. In this article, Attila explores the advantages and pitfalls of this new strategy and reflects whether you should use it in production now or not. Leonardo Lozovitz looks at how to host a WordPress site on Amazon LightSale. Just like we used to with AWS, LightSail provides all the power needed to host our websites while making it so much easier than ever before. In this article, Leonardo explores how to launch a WordPress site in LightSail in a quick and easy way. Oh, yeah! And Cosima Milka gives us a useful roundup of UX podcasts for designers. As those of us listening are aware, podcasts are a fantastic opportunity to get up close with the people who know their craft. For this article, Cosima has compiled a comprehensive list of podcasts that are bound to provide valuable insights into UX and new perspectives on the field. Perfect for a short coffee break or a long commute. And that is your weekly update. Find all these and more at smashingmagazine.com slash articles. She's a graphic and web designer who founded a graphic and web design studio with her wonderful, wonderful partner, Giat. She was born on the Belgian coast near Bruges. Oh, I would love to go back to Bruges. And now lives in Denze, a city in Flandern with 45,000 inhabitants. From an early age, she immersed herself into drawing and love of illustration has kept her going for more than three decades now. And she's been designing logos, stationery, brochures, books, websites, and applications since then. She has worked with Facebook, Google, Greenpeace, Adobe, the Library of Congress, and so many other small and large companies and organizations. Most importantly, she chooses her project based on how well she connects with the company or people working there. She is also a firm believer in the power of sharing, which is exactly what she has been doing in her wonderful tutorials, articles, and inspiration feed since 2003. Now, when not designing, she loves listening to soulful deep house music and riding her bicycle, and there are plenty of photos proving that this is indeed true. So, we know she is a wonderful designer and illustrator, but did you know that being a Belgian, she of course loves Belgian chocolate, but also Swiss typography and Swiss graphic design? My smashing friends, please welcome Verde Peters. Hello Verde, how are you doing today? Hi Vitaly! <laughs> I'm doing smashing really good. <laughs> That's wonderful to hear. I mean, I know you like, I don't know, I, I remember vividly this moment. I don't know, it feels like maybe 
15 years ago or so, when you were posting a lot of articles on your blog about CSS and design and visualizations, tutorials and all these things. Yeah. I need to hear your story. Like, I need to Where's know. The like, time? <laughs> yes. I mean, I know that you have a lot of, um, you have always had a lot of interest in art and drawings and design. But I'm wondering, how did you then came to this web place? And what excited you about it back then? Why? Uh, so, not sure. Um, I should maybe start at the very beginning. I, I started as a freelance designer. So, that was still the early 90s back then. So, no internet yet. <laughs> But uh, the first five years, I, I tried to make my way in, in, in designing for uh, small agencies, uh, ad agencies, doing like print work and trying. Uh, yeah, it was right from school, actually, which was hard. But then in 97, so the first five years, I, I really struggled and I, I actually didn't make any money, but I didn't give up. I was at the point, like, should I look for a full-time job or not? But I, I kind of stick to it. Um, I met here then. And um, actually, when the web was coming, we were we were kind of interested in it because I remember with my Macintosh back then, I had trouble. <laughs> and the... the not that I had always trouble, but there was a moment that I had trouble with my printer and the, the guy, the technician came and he said, I'm going to look for a, a, if there's an update and the plug and it, the driver from the, the print driver. And he was always mentioning, yeah, we can download it from the internet. I was like, oh, the internet, that's interesting. Because afterwards I saw the invoice and I was like, hmm. It costs me a lot if I have trouble again. I should look into having an internet uh, subscription. So that's how I started looking into what's the internet. And then it was still text and not, not graphic. But then all of a sudden um, things evolved. There was Netscape uh, coming out. And, 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 and all of a sudden you could have images uh, in web pages. And uh, they became more and more graphically the pages so i was interested how do they create such page so i was looking uh, at there were like uh, basic tools i remember um bare bones uh, bb edit that yeah, was uh, well, one wow of this the, brings back memories i have to say yeah and there was another uh, little tool i was thinking was it from it was visually page it's something with page oh i don't remember anymore page but I, I know exactly this kind of tools that you're talking Is about it from because... adobe i'm not sure yeah. anyhow <laughs> i looked into how a page was created and um I remember that here it motivated me. Maybe this is the future, you know? <laughs> if yeah. it becomes more graphically, it, it can become your job. <laughs> right, but you and never so really I, abandoned I, I, print, right? You never really no. said, okay, I'm not going to do print anymore. I'm just going all web. So you kind of, you yeah. were doing mixture of both. So you might have some yeah. project which are kind of partly print and partly digital. Yes, yes. Because and also at that time, I remember uh, there was... Well, a bit later, you had Flash from um, Macromedia Flash. That was becoming popular. And actually, a little bit before that, you have Macromedia Director to create CD-ROMs. I've had a lot of, well, a couple of projects in that direction as well, which were really big challenges uh, because it needed a lot of testing, Mac and Windows. It was rather technical. I remember we worked also with... with um, a freelancer back then, a very good freelancer who knew the scripting a lot because it was a lot of coding work as well to create such CD-ROMs. And with Flash, we also made, not purely for the web actually, but a lot of presentations for ad agencies. Flash right, and right. Uh, uh, like a bit of the, the new, uh, back then it was uh, the more graphical PowerPoint thing, but more really, well, presentations. Um, we did that as well. Yeah. So it was yeah. always a bit of a mixture of everything together, uh, interactive and print. Um, meanwhile, we also did logo design and, and brochures. I mean, I think when I look at your portfolio, I think you've, did, you've done everything, like everything, everything. Um, I remember the app now, PageMill. Yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't the know. The visual anymore. editor. 
Do you do you know? Uh, no, no. So I got on uh, on on the web somewhere in like 1999, right? And actually, it's, it's funny that we're saying that because we just had a conversation with, them, with a friend, and uh, there was this notion that came up that uh, I remember the time before the internet existed. And some of the new generations, they just don't know that time before the internet existed, right? So I'm wondering, do you remember that moment when you actually saw the web for the first time or anything went, uh, I mean, maybe not for the first time, but where you were actually understanding what you're seeing? Like, w what is this? At the first time, yeah, the first time was like text and I wasn't making the connection with my profession at all. all right. But then um, I think... Uh, I think once, once I try to remember the exact moment of, uh, I think things change when go live. Do you remember? Macro, yeah, yeah, go live. Was I it remember. Macromedia or Macromedia go live? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That really did the, the the trick for me. Like, yeah, and then it was evolving fast to design. Page, web pages, basically. Um, you know, one thing I learned about you as well, because I was just curious, just researching a little bit. Uh, so you actually left-handed, but then you taught yourself how to write right, so you become Not right myself. Not yourself. It was in school. I mean, first, uh, let me say here in English, when you're six years old and you start uh, to learn to write and... Um, right. Well, as, as a... As a little kid, um, I say toddler. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when you're four or five years old, the teacher is trying to you to write your your name. So they they write your name on the board. Right. Uh, on the uh, and I was for me it was like drawing my name. I didn't understand letters uh, at that age. I was drawing them mirrorly in mirror. I don't know how or why or something in my brain is, is, is yeah, wrongly so, wired, I guess. Right, but I saw it and I didn't understand. My mom was always saying, look, Fela has written her name and, and, and she was holding it in, uh, in front of the mirror. So everybody saw then correctly, my, my name correctly, but I didn't understand why they're they making such a fuss of it. Like, I didn't get it. I was too little to understand. Right. But, but how does it work? Does it mean that you can actually write with both left hand and right hand uh, your name? I like can, everything? actually. So yeah, you have, this is your magical that. power. Have you been using your <laughs> magical can, power? So would you then, uh, what would be like, what would be, so your mouse, is it then in the left hand or in the right hand? Or are you using I mean, a trackpad? Right. My right hand. Yeah, that's why also I have sometimes trouble with um, those um, drawing um, I, Wacom's. Uh, uh, Wacom drawing, tablets. Tablets, tablets. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's like, you know, I'm used to use my right hand for the mouse, but then drawing is with my left hand. So I was, I was always like, I don't know, in, 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 in some kind of... Um, Dilemma, like, ah, right, should right. I use yeah. my left hand? Should I use my right hand? So it was always like a mix-up and, and, and a struggle yeah. to use it properly. Yeah. It was on, on one hand, it was like a good thing because I could use my right hand for the things I'm used to with the mouse and then switch to left for when I want to draw. But it, it was confusing me and also a bit frustrating me because it was always like... You know which hands to use. That's why I like uh, like uh, drawing on on the um, on the iPad because because then I have the 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 pencil in my hand and I'm just drawing, and the rest yeah. I can do with my finger. Or it's less conf confusing. Or <laughs> sure. So then also speaking mixing. about the tools that you're using, right? I'm curious. So you are uh, you're using an iPad. What like what tools do you use to be to get like these ideas out of the uh, uh, into this world? Do you still sketch on in a sketchbook first, and then you go into like uh, an iPad, or what tools do you use to bring your ideas to life? I I still use um, pencil and paper a lot. <laughs> I don't know why, because on on an iPad you can do it actually. As good as as fast as possible, but somehow I'm I'm like I don't know. 
I like having like my sketchbook in my hands and and, and draw on paper. Maybe yeah, it's can, just that, that, yeah, old-fashioned maybe. Yeah, I can imagine <laughs> you I'll, going in the garden and then you sit down. Maybe you see, okay, now I'm going to come up with all these wonderful ideas and then and then bring it into world, right? Yeah, sometimes if, if weather permits and time permits, sometimes it's it's... I don't have enough time to do it, actually, sketch. And sometimes it's directly an illustrator. It's weird to say that, but let's say, like, I have this client and um, I'm doing, like, a lot of icon designs now for them. And they want an icon, like, I'm not saying that my deadline is three hours, but they expect it to have it done the same day. So I'm often Googling. If It's not, like, icons, like, very common icons like a hamburger menu or a home icon. It's more very technical and specific. Mm -hmm. So I do, I enter some keywords in Google and see what comes up. And I usually end up with uh, icon at the end or illustration icon. And I browse through the ideas, the concepts that I see, like, right. I don't know, a basket or a Sure. I don't know, a pencil or something. And I say, okay, you can use that or a whole, whole house uh, icon. Yeah, but, but also after all these projects that you must have had over all these years, do you feel like, I don't know, whenever a client comes to you with a particular issue, particular problem, particular project, you're like, okay, I've done this before. I think I'm pretty comfortable just going in and just, just uh, I can start right away in the straight or do you feel like you always need this kind of ideation phase brainstorming phase uh, beforehand to just get in or do you do you feel like because this is something that happens to me sometimes whenever I have to write about anything sometimes I'm like you give me any topic I think I can <laughs> start comfortably and with any topic I mean not necessarily about law let's say or about physics right but anything design I, I think I can I can start all the time it's just I need to do research to kind of come up with all the points and all that but I can start easily and I think that the most difficult part sometimes for me is to really just start to kind of have a place mm -hmm. where I want to go from and then I kind of explore where to go like is it similar for you or would you say that uh, every single project requires you to sit down to research to kind of try to understand uh, what is it exactly that the needs are and then design from scratch every time? It depends. Uh, usually I need indeed some time to have, like, do some re research and and instead of starting just right away from scratch. But I have a couple of clients where I do a lot of work for them and I know their style and I know... Uh, and I immediately know the direction and, and, and then I don't have to do that. But that's usually like layout things that right, need a right. bit less, less of actual new design work. Sometimes I can then recuperate things already created and then make a variation of it and build further on that same concept because it's it needs to be like in the same line in the same direction but if it's like a new project a new client then yeah uh, i don't think i can do like okay jump directly an illustrator and or or in design or whatever and start straight away i always have to browse around for ideas and and and, and do some sketching uh do some research uh, before, yeah. Do you have like collage books that uh, we used to have back in the day where you would have all the different topics kind of put together and like, uh, I don't know, whenever you have a project related to healthcare, you have your healthcare folder with all the projects related to healthcare or anything like that um, or something like that? No. no. What I sometimes do is also, I don't know if you know the app Milanote? Milanote? Uh, sounds very familiar, yes. It is like a, an, an app that I like to use to gather all the things that I like, that I come across and I found relevant to the project. It can either be a design style, a color palette. Uh, yeah. Sometimes even something that is not really related to the project, but an element in there that I like, a composition or... Mm -hmm. um, 
mood boarding, but yeah, mood boarding. <laughs> doing, uh, I mean, actually, like talking about that, your yep. inspiration stream has been going now for I don't know how many decades, I think, because I remember vividly, like for <laughs> for projects that I had, because um, you know I also do a bit of consultancy every now and again, right? And, and then we're speaking with designers about okay, what would be the styles that we would be pursuing here? Would it be going in that direction, more playful, less playful, more formal, less formal? I say, oh no, you just go to Verde. Just go to Berlin. Like, this is like <laughs> a, a, a showcase or a gallery of all the different styles. But this this is really interesting for me because I uh, I tried to explain. I mean, I, I was telling to my partner that I'm going to interview you for the podcast. And we're going to have a little session. And she asked me, oh, she's a illustrator. Oh, that's great because we also like Belgium a lot. And um, and she, she asked me, so, so what kind of style is it? What kind of illustration style? And I, I, I almost stuck. I couldn't tell because the only thing I could say is that it's vibrant, it's playful, it's colorful, it's it's um, living. This is kind of what I came up with. So I'm wondering, how would you describe your style? Or do you have many? Yeah, I think I have many. It's 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 a bit. Um, I think I try to adapt to what the client wants because, like, one um, like a project that I, I've been working on. Uh, the past months is a book for a client, uh, one of a, a long time, uh, term client that I love working with. Uh, and it's, it's, it's every page is an illustration. And at first I remember that I, that I, uh, tried to set a style for those illustrations and it's with, it's with people. And I thought like, okay, uh, I'm going to keep them very simple. And I gave them blue a blue skin, very fantasy. Like I thought like if, if I use blue, it's, it's, it's also like colorless, uh, all kind of people can, can be, can be that, and it can be, uh, visualized, uh, or, 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 um, re um, represented, uh, mm -hmm. by, by blue figures. Uh, but she didn't like it. And then I, I had to, she, she showed me, I like this and that style because i presented also to her like in which direction should i go and um she 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 picked a couple of of uh, pictures of images that i that i uh, presented to her and um so i had to change my style a little bit um so that's why i always think like if people ask me what is your design style i don't have like a, a very specific style but i think the way you describe it could 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 uh, could work i mean <laughs> colorful yeah. for sure yeah, and i always try to, sure. to to uh to include it uh, to make it a bit um playful depending on <laughs> the project but uh there's usually the, the restrictions yeah the client wants this and it's not like I'm like a pure illustrator that has this style and the client comes to me because of this style. And, and I stick to very um, strictly, how do you say it? This style, yeah, it's, but, I mean, it's, it's a bit broader. Yeah, but it's very difficult for me to imagine you working on one of those corporate, dry booklets. I mean, I just, I mean, maybe you have, of course, but uh, I, I just cannot imagine that. Maybe I should be diving a bit more into your inspiration stream. Um. Well, the inspiration stream is, of course, not mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. But I mean, um, I mean, <laughs> it's also collected by you, right? By yourself. So I yeah, think yeah, yeah, there is yeah, yeah. there are all these different styles that, but uh, but I cannot spot any like dry, I don't know, super dry uh, yeah, 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 corporate yeah, yeah. style there. So no, th that's no. probably not. That doesn't speak to me usually. Yes true so that reflects to my own style of, of design i'm wondering that's probably also something that many people might be wondering so in, because you've been in this industry for quite quite a long time uh when do you think you had this moment when you realize okay i'm now on a list of like i can now work with the facebook's and uh, the google's and the big companies like how did this happen when did when did you experience this kind of i wouldn't say breakthrough right but more like a position where you felt like, oh wow, I'm, uh, I feel very comfortable now with this space, be it like uh, design in general, uh, 
and I'm working now with big clients because normally, like I think that many people listening to this now, maybe starting out as designers, they might be wondering, how do you even get there? It seems like such a, such a remote, distant dream to be working with these clients. So what would you tell them and how was it for you? Uh, yeah, for me, it was, of course, due to the, the blog that I uh, got a breakthrough, like become popular <laughs> within the world of web design and everything. So due to conferences and I don't know. Uh, so you yeah. kind of started getting uh, more visible. Is that what you So basically, yeah. how, how did it work for you? So for the blog, did you have like a schedule like, okay, I'm going to write at least once a week or month or anything like that? No, it was more like oh, when I had time and, and back in that day uh, around I'm talking like 2004 2008 that period was most that I spent weekends and everything hours <laughs> writing for the blog and 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 um yeah, I, I, I just made time. I didn't go biking either back then. <laughs> well, now you can, uh, you have the luxury of going biking, right? Yeah, yeah, but still, it's not like I can, uh, how we say, take a holiday and or sit on my uh, lazy ass and do nothing. I have to work hard still to make it, yeah, unfortunately. But back then, I got more visibility, I think, and... and that's how they 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 reached out to me and um for work um yeah. before right just just when um, the internet was uh before i started blogging and and so uh i had this client the library of congress that was also because of my um knowledge of director Macromedia director because that you could also do interactive gaming things online with uh, with that app, and I remember that I got the site got nominated by Macromedia back then. I was side of the day and side of the week, and so that's how they got uh, they got in contact with me. Right. Uh, and and for Google and Facebook, that was actually just the, the same because I was then in the CSS gallery from here and there <laughs> galleries yeah. and awards and stuff and that's how how i um i ended up working uh for for uh facebook uh, on a project i never had it in my uh, portfolio unfortunately it's something that never got launched <laughs> i did do a nice creative job for them but it was uh earlier yeah. Um, I think it's it's also for me, uh, it's always been about kind of two things, I think. I always uh, felt like um, there is a very, very strong need to be present, to share. And I mean, this is also mm -hmm. something that has been very yeah. close to your heart because you've been sharing, and you are yeah. still sharing a, a lot, right? So this sharing has always been a very important part of me. And I think that this is through sharing where you actually not only get... Uh, one get to meet wonderful people who like your work, who talk to you about your work, and maybe they share with mm -hmm. you their work, right? But this is yeah. also how you kind of spread the word about yourself. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. that has been always kind of a very, That's very actually the most important part. That's how I got into the CSS galleries. Yeah, actually... Uh, a most important part that I yeah, <laughs> left I out there. Yeah, yeah I think yeah, so as well. Because I, I started uh, that tutorial. There was like one tutorial that I shared towards designers who wanted to learn a little bit of coding, like how can I code a homepage? And I explained in, in different parts, like here is how you create a header, here is how you create the, the page itself, header, content, footer. Now I'm explaining it very very short but uh, and i explained it going from actually designing it in photoshop and then cutting it in parts and yeah, the slicing you know, how, and everything and right. explain how css work very very basic steps and then very rudimentary language like very simple though so that everyone could understand it and that got so popular and picked up by so many sites who were way way bigger than me but mm. that elevated me up yeah. there uh, amongst all the others and I got then invited for speaking at conferences and that's, that's right. how that's how uh, the ball got, got rolling yeah, and then the blog was redesigned and it got an award again and 
and it never stopped like you know yeah do you are you planning on the fib 3 design at some point oh well at the moment i'm actually doing a little it's not a redesign but a little bit i'm fiddling with the colors and 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 things a little bit like you always uh, are, so that's uh, I, i didn't expect anything else yeah um, yeah it's always harder for yourself doing yes improvements on work and, and also finding the time Absolutely. i thought i would have launched it by now the things that i've done i worked a little bit over the christmas period but i'm still in the middle of uh, of it yes of course so, yeah. um, i'm also speaking with a lot of junior designers and very often what i hear is that they are Uh, they have a hard time kind of putting their word out there. So I feel like maybe back as, back then, for me, it was quite straightforward because there was not much. I mean, there were maybe like, what, handful of people, maybe 30, 40 people yeah. who were writing and vlogging and kind of being very public about this and sharing. Um, yeah, now, exactly. Now I feel like there is everybody's posting and, you know, now, now you can generate a perfect SEO-optimized, GPT-powered uh, article mm -hmm. about design and so on. Do you think that you would be doing the same today if you were in this position, let's say, like not 20 years ago, but today, would you be trying to be visible on TikTok and Instagram and or LinkedIn? I don't know. What would be... I think I probably would. <laughs> I think. Not sure. It's hard. It's it's a whole different period. For us, it was all so very new. Like I yeah. remember like Twitter. I remember Jeremy Keats told me like, hey, there's this Twitter thing. You should check it out. I was like, huh, Twitter. What's that? And he explained, and I was like, hmm, okay, I'm going to check it out. That's how I got on Twitter back then. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because we were all on, I don't know if you were too, on Pounce? Oh, yes, I remember that. I I know for sure that I registered an account. I registered an account on Pounce, and then I think I never posted anything. Or I mean, I, there were a couple of apps or a, a couple of sites, uh, social media sites back then, but I think... Uh, I don't know. For me, uh, I always liked it. I liked to write. It was all about writing for me because when I was growing up, I wanted to be a writer. Well, that didn't happen, but I kind of, I really wanted to write. But it's not about me. I mean, this uh, this this podcast, of course, not about me. Um, but I think I would do I would do TikTok and and Instagram. Now I'm using my Insta I've been using my Instagram always for just photos and everything. But I think I would more try to be visible with my work via Instagram and, and TikTok yeah, and stuff like I think that. So. I mean, I also remember that one thing that really excited me back then, and I think it's still the same. I'm, I mean, every single day I happened to meet, even without being kind of proactive about it, right? But I happened to stumble upon work people uh, just accidentally, either by searching or by going through some feeds or LinkedIn or, on, you know, I, I tend to use Twitter less these days. Um, I always find interesting people. And this is something that really keeps motivating me as well. I feel like I always learn somebody who is doing something absolutely incredible. And so this is something that I can also then take and learn from. And I always try to take that step to reach out to that person and just you know, talk to them or kind of exchange thoughts or work or whatever. That's really, really, I mean, that, that kind of growth of networking and so on, that's really, really, really important. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was, that's what I tried actually also, reaching out to people that, uh, that you admire or... Uh, <laughs> and they reply yeah. back. It's not like they're in a castle <laughs> yeah, somewhere. Was, oh, Very often answer. they would reply back. <laughs> and those emails from those people who do reply back, I remember them forever. Like, I, I mean, sometimes I would wonder, well, uh, why bother sending a message to somebody who has been, I don't know, designing a famous typeface or something? They, they reply. And then this thing really keeps me kind of fueling and motivating me. Um, yeah, me too. Maybe turning the the uh, the kind of the direction of the conversation a little bit. I'm also curious to know uh, maybe some of the really challenging projects you worked on. Like, what would we say? Like, looking back now, uh, what was some of the most difficult design projects um, or illustration projects um, that you were involved with? I'll, as long as you can speak about it. I think course. the I think the most challenging one was actually in the time before internet, the CD-ROM thing, I, we did 
well, here than my, <laughs> did a project for Ernst and Young mm-hmm. uh, and the CD-ROM project called OSCAN. It was <laughs> it was a bit corporate, but it was a lot of creativity. At first, I, I, we actually had to win it because it was between us and another agency. <laughs> so I we got the job eventually, but it was from A till Z, like from production, packaging. It was actually a browser hand, the packaging. It was a uh-huh. big browser hand that you could open and the CD-ROM was sitting in the browser hand. It was in five languages. There was a lot of design work. <laughs> and it was a lot of technicalities also with uh, testing on Windows. That was actually the most challenging because it was like first to get the job, <laughs> you know. And then oh, I think we worked on it like for more than a year to get it finished. Mm-hmm. Also the with voiceover, it was with voiceover and it was very graphically. So that was, I assume that must have taken quite a bit of time, quite a bit of time. It was, like I said, we worked more than a, than a year on it. The other one was for a screensaver. For a screensaver? Offer. Yes, it was called Caveman and it was with a caveman. Wow. And it was like with, with volcanoes and it was very fun. But I remember uh, oh, the the the... The result was still like now you would look at it. I was like, ah, oh, like from the dark, from the dark ages, like the pixels and the stuff, like very yeah. It was it was ninety uh, early nineties, but it was so fun. Oh, I can imagine. So, would you say that coming back and looking back, do you find that doing design work now is easier or more difficult? That's hard to say. I mean, of course, we have much better technology and tooling and all of that. Yeah, yeah. So I would say in that respect, it's easier, <laughs> but it's also, um, but it's also difficult in a way that there's so much, you know, there's so much apps, so much to learn. On the other hand, it was back then, it was also a lot to learn. Um, hmm. The creative challenges, of course, the same, the tools are easier because I remember like, in the early days when I used Illustrator, I can do, I could, now I can do stuff in two clicks to say it's simple. And before, uh, back then, it was like, it would take me more than two hours to do the same. <laughs> yeah. So you've also done quite a bit of illustration work. I'm curious. Um, so at some point you just knew that, okay, so you've been drawing and you've been designing, you've been illustrating and from everything from packaging to stationery and everything, right? Did you want to just say something like, okay, I'm done with this. I want to explore fonts. I want to design fonts now. Or I'm done with this. I'm going to go for music. I'm going to create music now. Did you have these moments that you, where you said, okay, uh, I want to explore something entirely different? Or maybe it was just a different style. That put your illustration that you would be experimenting, because for for me the reason why I'm asking is because I have this problem that I always feel like I'm jumping in with both feet in some topic, mm-hmm. and then I realize oh I I'm I'm done with it now I want to do something entirely different yeah yeah right and then I jump to you know from UX to design to front end to performance to accessibility that's been like the path for my entire journey so far what is it like for you? I think because my 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 jobs and uh, I mean the the projects that we that we work on are so diverse that I always feel like there's something different. Tomorrow I work on this could be illustration work, and the day and uh, the week after I work on 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 print. Then I work again on on some website. Then again on some apps app design because of this constant mixture i don't have the urge to uh do something entirely different because it's always like something different in in a way i can see what you say like that has been on my mind actually to design a font this has always like something like oh that would be like so great to do design a font on the other hand i think it's so uh, there are so many you say it's such a speciality that I think like maybe I won't be good at it because you know to design a font is not not simple so it's 
a good fun. I mean, really good yeah. fun. If it's like a script fun, then from, you know, the hand, and even that, and even that, yeah. yeah, you can say, okay, but if it's like a song or sans serif, and there are so many things to take into account, like the letter O needs to be a little bit bigger because it's round, and then you have, you know, all these 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 little things that you have to keep in mind and then they, then there is the tracking uh, and the kerning sure, and everything sure. you know that's, I, uh, that's I, a science I gave up course. the idea because of it I actually did design a font belt not like font font but there was once a, a project from a guy um, I think it's the guy who founded Skillshare actually mm-hmm. he had a book project way back before he founded Skillshare, uh, grab bag book or something, and he he asked many creative people to do something totally out of their co- comfort zone, so totally different. And for me, my task was create a font. So others had another task like create a poster or. Uh, so that was the only thing time I, I actually designed a font, but it was not like a font with font files and everything. It was pure on design and, you know, it got printed in a book. So it never got farther than that. Maybe, you know, it's not even necessary anymore because, of course, we have wonderful power of artificial intelligence coming our way. Uh, and <laughs> yes. I'm really had to ask this question, of course. Uh, and we could just ask, uh, I don't know, AI to just design a font of our dreams. Yeah, um, exactly. But, but, but I am <laughs> easy, wondering, <easy. laughs> I am wondering at this point, how do you see, I mean, we have all these tools from Mid Journey to, uh, I mean, Dali and so many others, like all these AI tools that allow you to generate an image um, or support you in some way, assist you in some way to uh, get to that perfect photo, to that perfect illustration, to that perfect landscape, to that perfect whatever. Um, How do you see that? Do you actually in some way use or think about using AI for your work? Or do you feel like this is, you know, you can not... So far I haven't used it, no. Um, In a way, I, I kind of... See, it's like it's like back in the days when Photoshop uh, <laughs> introduced effects, and we're all like, "Whoa, yes, let's try it out!" And it's like something new, and everybody's jumping at it, like like we say in Dutch, like fly on <laughs> on the shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, I find it a little bit, um, I don't know, artificial to artificial, like <laughs> the word says it. It's. It's probably gonna serve as as as, as help and in a way as a tool, yeah. But on the other hand, I have so many questions about it. Like, I don't know if you heard, and I was already asking that same question in my head. Like, what about copywriting? Yeah. Like the photos that that is in there that are yeah that they're using, and I. Not so long ago, I, don't, I think a couple of days ago, I read some, something about Getty, Getty Images. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, asking the question like, hey, you guys uh, are using pictures, uh, images of, of our Getty Image, Getty Images collection. So I think they're going to they're gonna be like trouble here and there as well. It's not yeah, going so this to is be, uh, actually uh, still a, mm-hmm. a big question that is, to be honest... Um, that seems to be, um, I wouldn't say dismissed, but it is not taken seriously but, uh, yeah. often. But you still see some issues where uh, many of the applications uh, that are generating those images actually have, uh, in the terms and conditions, a very clear statement that these are only for personal use and so on and so forth. Uh-huh. But in general, of course, whenever we think about this, the one big question mark that comes in my way is that, uh, obviously, whenever artificial intelligence is generating those images, these images have a copyright designed by humans. So if there were no humans, there wouldn't be any um, design work done by AI, right? And then the question is, there is Mm -hmm. no credit, there is no compensation, of course, there is uh, mining, data mining. And this, of course, brings up questions. I mean, when I was looking Mm -hmm. and playing with Dali, and Midjourney, and uh, there are a couple, there are so many tools at, at this point. Uh, I was very impressed with the results. I mean, I was seriously impressed mm-hmm. with the results. I wouldn't be able to tell the difference uh, between an actual 
photo or you know that kind of photo maybe it looked a little bit too too perfect at times and yeah. sometimes it had this really yeah. strange things where everything looks perfect but then a person has six fingers instead of five <laughs> yes like, i saw something so little yeah those things happen every <laughs> now and again yeah. but if you just focus yeah. on the face let's True. say then yeah. uh, this this problem doesn't occur but then there is kind of something almost magical where you can i mean at this point i think also in figma um, you have these options to say uh, dear figma i need a photo of uh, <laughs> a barista uh, in front of a child's I don't know, tiled bakery, whatever, in, in Portugal, and the picture, the result is incredible. I mean, yeah. I, I have to say that this is absolutely stunning. Um, the question, of course, that I'm asking it's myself and that many of my colleagues are wondering about is, um, what does it mean? So would we as designers or illustrators use it? Or would we be trying to fight the war against the windmill? because there are so many of those tools. But that's uh, a question that hasn't been answered yet. And again, it has raises a lot of ethical concerns as well. Yeah, yeah. Especially the last thing you mentioned, ethical concerns. And I don't know, in a way, uh, I, can, I can see its purpose. But then on the other hand, uh, I don't know if it goes that far that it overtakes our, our entire job. I mean... I don't know what's... Um... Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say because there was this case, I don't know if you've heard about it or not, uh, where there was a project where an illustrator was working um, on a project and then I think three or four months after the, uh, the, the um, in, in the project, um, he was fired. Uh, and what the um, owners of the company then said, well, you've designed 15 illustrations, we can now design the rest with AI. Okay. So we can mine your style, right? Um, and maybe a few more images, or a few million images, millions of images around the world, right? And we can replicate your style. So uh, we don't necessarily need you to be on this project. I was like, wow. Hmm. So those things happened, wow. right? And th that happened. And he didn't. Uh, oh, that did was, he say okay? I mean, here he, are the royalties. <laughs> I mean, he he did the he did the work, right? And the first, I think, fifteen images or so, they were paid for, uh, but the rest was kind of cancelled, right? And so, because you can produce the results with a handful of images and obviously a lot of other data around, so that's okay. again raises some some questions and concerns, right? So yes. I'm not quite sure true. what we're getting with. Then this. we have to put a, a copyright. Um, copywriting and or uh, estimate before taking on the job <laughs> like here's the yeah i think the that this is in the end because I think that otherwise no i think i mean i think in some way this will be uh, become probably something that we will be including in our contract or uh, that yeah. we will be dealing with as terms and conditions but i'm very yeah, hopeful terms and condition. i think uh, i think uh, the future looks bright uh, so i'm we shouldn't be i mean obviously we need to be very careful about what we're doing there and how we're managing all that but i'm hopeful that yeah. um, the community is better off with ai we shouldn't be fighting AI too much yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it will have its place. But if it will, I don't think it will be that far, like it overtakes our job. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't think that. I don't believe that. I mean, we're all still human. <laughs> we need like the human emotional touch and everything. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, I see it as a, I hope we can use it as a tool and not that it doesn't overtake us. <laughs> yeah. So do you think Valdez, that like maybe four years, four, three, four, five years from now, you'll be writing a nice article on your blog about how to use AI <laughs> to speed up your creative process? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Or it will, I don't know, get a very bad taste and a very bad, I don't know, thing, reputation, but I don't know if it go, will go that far and it yeah. will like not survive i don't think it it will probably survive well maybe there is way. something good around that as well because while the ai is busy designing the des while doing the design work you can go and biking which is why <laughs> i have to ask you about um maybe as we're wrapping up here uh maybe you could share us with some of the most memorable destinations that you actually have traveled 
two on your bike. What were some of the highlights in your journey? And what was the longest trip you ever taken? I think the longest trip or the longest ride was 207 Wow. Yeah. What But was it was in Belgium. I think it was most all rides Belgium are still. 210. Yeah. Uh, I sometimes go towards the direction of France and the Netherlands over the border. But it's not that I have like biked in some uh, destination far away. Mallorca. So the Balearic Islands, that's the forest where, I, where, I, where I've rode my bike. I haven't. It's more in my, in, in my own country that I bike. But there are so many little roads here. I'm still amazed by, um, by how, how many roads there are. And then that I still ride roads that I haven't been, <laughs> that I haven't yeah. ridden. Like, and they're like, I don't know, 15 kilometers from here or 10 kilometers from here. And I say like, huh, didn't discover that one. I'm always thinking like I should, like I, I do my bike, I put my bike rides on Strava and there's, um, I think you can look up a heat map. Mm -hmm. And if I do like Flanders, the heat map of Flanders, it's like, like really dense like like i've ridden like over and over and over it's it's like if i see the total kilometers that i've ridden i'm i've i've ridden a couple of times around the world oh, wow. the that, that could be yeah but it's i think like, like whoa that's like mind-blowing you know yeah i ride I, my bike more than i drive my car it's oh, wow. like double the kilometers and right. you're Yeah, but maybe we should import yeah. you into Black Forest, and I'd be very curious uh, how far you oh, would go there. It is one of the locations I would really love to go. You know, my local bakery that I go every weekend, uh, he's like a fan of that area. He's also a mountain biker, and every year his holiday is always the Black Forest. <laughs> And he's always bragging about it. If you, you know, if you want some rides from there, I can share you some and just let me know when you go. <laughs> well, you know, I think so that maybe day. that's a sign for you to, to keep <laughs> yeah. in the loop. Please let I us should, know should, uh, when you happen visit. to be there. Um, maybe as a final question here to wrap up, um, I always ask this question because it always uh, gives me kind of a clue about um, the motivation, the dreams um, that one would, uh, that uh, guests like to have. Um, do you have a particular dream project that you ever wished you could work with? So if somebody from any company could listen to this uh, now or in the future and think, you know, um, maybe Vale wants to work on this incredible project, uh, we should reach out. So if you had a dream project, or if you have a dream project, what would you desperately want to work on one day? Oh, that's, oh man. Well, actually, The actual, the, the, an actually dream project would be like if the client says that would already, already make it, like <laughs> that would already make me very happy if I have like a lot of time to work on, on a project. Like if they say, um, a year, you do, you do your thing. <laughs> I, I love to have boundaries, but if they, if you can go to your full potential of your creativity and there's like no deadline, like usually they, Clients want things done too fast, um, and and it's and it usually you always end up like hmm, if I had a little bit more time I would have made this better and better. Like the things that end up in my portfolio, or the things that I'm happy with that I like. There's so many work, like it's like 10% of all the work I've done, because a lot of projects are like that it has to go t so fast or they put it online but they have implemented it wrongly stuff like that like there's always something so my dream project would be like if there's like a project like from a to z it's like uh perfect done <laughs> a lot of creativity it can be anything really i've always dreamt in school that i would end up in packaging design I haven't done much packaging design, but if I could do like create a brand a logo and then the whole packaging of, of the interior of, if it's a shop, an interior, the building, whatever. But you already did design a logo for an airline. Isn't that right? 
Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was actually an, I, it was not a big project. It, it sounds like because it's for an airline, it's like big. It was actually like we want uh, an icon on the plane and our logo has these colors, but we want an icon. And so I um, kind of designed like a star shape, I think. Mm -hmm. And that was like, yeah, I was proud of it because it was on a plane. <laughs> Did you fly uh, that plane with your icon? No, 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 no. Oh, maybe that's so. If anybody listening to this uh, owns an airline uh, or a train <laughs> or a bike or anything and uh, is willing yeah, to maybe put nice. an icon, that would be nice, right? To have a bike with your uh, work on it. Ah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So uh, please uh, get in touch with Verla. I'm sure she would appreciate that. <laughs> All right. So Thank we've been you. we've been learning quite a bit about illustration and design and workflow and uh, AI even a little bit in here um, but what have you been learning about lately Verla? anything that you've learned or maybe outside of the scope of design altogether um, anything uh, that you felt like oh wow I, I didn't know that uh, earlier so here we go now I know it uh, well, actually I'm, I'm currently working with Figma and I didn't know it it's because of the project with the client the developer is also using Figma and other designers in the team are using Figma and otherwise I would jump in with my Adobe XD and I thought like okay it it's to speed up the process and also to work together on something and share it's not that you can't do it with Adobe XD but they're already using uh, Figma so I'm 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 learning Figma I'm still it's the first steps but yeah it's 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 been fun actually i'm i'm liking it you can also like copy paste from illustrate for me is right. very important yeah, <laughs> like yeah, I i'm can doing imagine. most of icon icon design work it's for web pages and a web app and so it's it's handy that i can copy paste and i'm also using um i'm also trying out affinity designer mm -hmm. uh I've been working uh, in it a couple of times now. It's also a very early phase. So I've, I've, I think I've spent like, if, if it's an hour already, <laughs> even so it's, it's really short uh, time. But yeah, I'm, I'm liking it so far. So I'm stepping out of the Adobe <laughs> environment right. a little bit to learn right. a little bit more. Uh, um, yeah, and then... On my, I think on my iPad, uh, I'm doing a lot of watercoloring, oh, coloring nice. um, digitally, trying out a couple of brushes, and so that's also a bit new. Never stop um, learning, then. Yeah, never yeah, stop never stop learning. So maybe you know, if you if you at some point in the future will find the, a nice Figma tutorial on Verde's blog, you know what direction <laughs> I ended up going. Well, if you, the listener, would like to hear more from Verde, you can find her on Twitter, where she is at vpeters, and also on her homepage, of course, which is verla.duoh.com. Verla I'm actually not much on Twitter anymore, not much to be Twitter. honest. So no, is it now, no, what is cool at this not. point? So, so uh, Mastodon. Mastodon. So are you on Mastodon a lot? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I'm going... Like you asked me, you're redesigning my blog. I'm actually also going to do a lot of um, writing on my blog, little little uh, short posts that I tend to do before on Twitter. I'm moving it a bit to my blog. Right. It's called like side notes. I'm gonna call it side notes, but it's still in the making. I'm I'm make I'm trying. I'll try to make good progress that it will be online very soon to replace the whole Twitter feed, but. Up until now, uh, I'm, I'm posting the things on Mastodon. That so sounds, that it's cool. it's actually what I did before Twitter was uh, before Twitter was here. So right. well, I'm picking up like from back way back. Sure, <laughs> but we'll be following along for sure. So uh, with this in mind, uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Viola. Do you have any parting words of wisdom? Imagine somebody listening to this 20 years from now and thinking, how did they design things back in the day? Um, do you have like a, I don't know, a message to the future uh, or a, a shared, I don't know, words of wisdom to people out there? I think always... Um Keep on learning, I think, and open your eyes. Try to soak in inspiration from every, everywhere, even 
just go outside, find inspiration in nature, uh, look around, open your eyes. If you're walking in the streets, look at the signs, things, uh, signs of shops and everything. Uh, yeah, keep keeping, try to keep an open vision, I think, and never stop learning. These are my <laughs> words. This is Smashing. And that was our podcast. Thank you very much for listening. And if you liked it, please share it with your friends. Find us on the web at smashingmagazine.com, on Twitter at Smashing Mag, Smashing Magazine on Facebook, or in the supermarket by the cat food. Oh,